Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And today, I have brought you a little gem, and this is intended for small business owners, companies, small companies who are being affected during our current climate. So I'd like to introduce to you Charles Reed, CEO of Get Payroll and author of the Payroll Book. Charles has more than 28 years of experience in full-service payroll and payroll tax, making him an expert in the field. His company, Get Payroll, helps small to medium-sized businesses with direct deposits, payroll deposits, reports and tax filings, and year-end forms, W-2s, and so much more. He is an accomplished entrepreneur with more than 50 years of financial experience and is a licensed CPA, which is kind of my area of expertise. He joins us today to share insights on payroll trends in 2020 and beyond, and to tell us about his new book that's launching in August. Charles, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure, Casey. It's great to have you here. We were just having a little pre-conversation about, uh, you know, what's kind of going on in the current climate. And I think that, um, you know, I do definitely want to get to our topics that we had discussed, but, you know, what are you seeing right now with the PPP loans and your clients and reporting? Well, the PPP loans, of course, have been a great benefit to a lot of small businesses, helped a lot of us, you know, survive uh, through this. Uh, they extended it. There was obviously some confusion when it first came out about whether or not it was forgivable. Uh, it was poorly written in Congress, and uh, the IRS said, well, this is, it's not technically, it, if you forgive that, then what you use it for is not deductible. Well, Congress papered over that, and in addition, they extended the period to uh, of time for the forgiveness from eight weeks of usage to 24 weeks, which makes it much simpler for most of the small businesses to be able to get full forgiveness on the loan. Uh, if you haven't gotten it, uh, I think there's still just a little bit of time left, but uh, hopefully everybody that uh, is due one has gotten it and has gotten the cash and has been able to to do what they need to do. Now we need to worry about getting it forgiven so we don't have to pay it back with interest. Exactly. And I'm not, we won't go into all the details of it because I'm sure there's resources for, uh, you know, tons of resources for, you know, the steps you need to take. But you'd mentioned another avenue that business owners might uh, look at as far as payroll. Well, that's the FFRCA. Uh, and that allows a company to take the employer share of taxes, the FICA share uh, that you would normally pay in and deposit on a semi-weekly or monthly basis and not deposit it. Uh, you report it and then it's, it's held in abeyance without interest until the end of 2021 is half it's due and the end of 2022, the other half is due. So uh, it's a way for businesses to Keep a little extra cash in the business 
uh, doesn't cost anything except some paperwork, and there's no interest or anything on it. So it's basically an interest-free loan for the government. But you do have to be prepared uh, at the end of next year and the end of the following year to write that check. Don't forget it if you do it. That was going to be my next question is, did you, do you see that as a good thing or a bad thing for business owners? If, you, if it makes the difference between surviving and not, take it, use it. I mean, because if you don't survive, it doesn't matter. Right. It's a corporate debt. Uh, it's forgivable in bankruptcy if, if for some reason you actually don't make it. Uh, and if it's that important to you, do it, by all means. If it's not, if you're surviving without it, then you may not want to go to the trouble of keeping it separate, keeping track of it, and making sure that you have the cash on hand, uh, 1231-21 and 1231-22, to pay it and pay it in full. Uh, because the penalties for not paying it will be standardized penalties, and they're pretty pretty stiff in the IRS. Yes, they are. I worked for a company one time that I don't think they quite understood how the payroll taxes worked, and they're like, just call and negotiate with them. Tell them we'll pay them you know, 50 cents on the dollar. And I'm like, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> no, no, it, 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 that's, that's what we go into in our new book. So, uh, no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> the IRS does not negotiate with employers. No. <laughs> so, you know, payroll is such a specific and intricate niche of a business. What, how did you start being so passionate and what keeps you so passionate about it? Well, you know, I grew up in a family business. My father did his payroll on, uh, handmade uh, mimeographed uh, spreadsheets on paper before computers. So, you know, we were doing this when I was young, long before I ever went to school. And having studied it and then having been in business and having to deal with it and make the deposits so on, I found it real quickly. It was insane to do it in-house. Mm -hmm. uh, doing it out-of-house was cheap, quick, easy, and they took responsibility and the liabilities, and it just wasn't worth doing in-house. And then I, uh, as I grew up and, and moved into business, uh, I went out on my own as a CPA and incorporated a payroll service bureau into my CPA practice, and I just love it. Uh, it's fun for me. I deal with lots of clients. I deal with the IRS and the states on a daily basis. Uh, I'm very good at dealing with the IRS, I found out. Uh, <laughs> I know what I... I, you know, it's one of those things. It's, it's, it's as my lawyer uh, said in a court case, it's like playing high stakes poker with somebody else's money. Uh, but it's, to me, it's fun. It's a game. I'm very successful doing it. And it's just, I can help so many people because they're just at sea because it would be like being taking a major league soccer player from Brazil and putting them onto a baseball diamond and saying, here's a bat and a glove, go play. He's a great athlete, but he has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't know the rules. He doesn't know the boundaries. He doesn't know the procedures. He's never practiced anything. He'd be a total loss. So you have businessmen that know what they're doing. They're good at it. They're successful at it. And then you say, okay, now you're going to play with the IRS in their, in their ballpark with their bat and their ball, and you don't know the rules. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds and really silly I, when you say it that way. <laughs> Yeah, but that's what happens, and and they're 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 at sea, they're at a total loss, and I don't like that. Uh, the IRS has a collections attitude. Uh, Congress a number of years ago tried to make them kinder and gentler. Uh, it didn't happen. So 
uh, I needed help when, when I was in business, and now I'm helping other small businesses. I, it's, it's, to me, it's, I like doing it. It's, it's fun. I'm getting photo bombed right now outside my studio. <laughs> so let me, um, oh, sorry about that. So anyway, that's fun when you record with a bunch of fun people around, right? Yes. Um, so I wanted to ask you too, I think I remember from our earlier conversation, which happened months ago, it feels, I think it was months ago. Um, months ago. <laughs> Now, you hold a certification that few people in the U.S. hold. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm a U.S. tax court practitioner. Uh, there's less than 300 of us in the country. What it allows me to do is to practice in U.S. tax court and represent my clients, even though I'm not an attorney. Uh, it's a long, involved process. You have to take a test at the U.S. tax court in D.C. They give it every two years. You study evidence and you study procedure and you study legal ethics. Uh, and of course, you have to understand substantive tax. And if you can pass their exam, less than 10% of the people that take it do. Uh, you get your license. I have a U.S. tax court bar card. And I am counsel to my clients in U.S. tax court. And this is good because if you have some problems, not all, but a lot of the tax problems, you can file a petition for $60 in U.S. tax court without having to pay the tax or the penalties or the interest in advance. And in many cases, you can get those uh, dropped. And in tax court, they may settle for 50 cents on the dollar. They won't at the IRS, but once you get to tax court and you're dealing with district counsel, sometimes you can make a settlement because it's not worth them pursuing it. And they have the power, unlike the regular IRS agents, to settle for a fraction. So sometimes you do. 95% of the cases that go to tax court get settled before they ever get heard by the judge. Wow. I guess that means you know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, that, and I'm also on the IRS Advisory Council. Uh, ERSAC meets five times a year. This is my third year. And we meet with the IRS and the hierarchy, and we solve problems for them. We provide input from the profession because the IRS is very insular. Uh, they're off in their own little world in DC uh, and they're not out there practicing. They're not out there as clients. They don't understand a lot of what's going on. They issue a procedure and don't understand the impact sometimes. So we provide that professional input as business people and tax professionals to the IRS. And, and we meet with the, the commissioner, all the commissioners of the various areas of the IRS, the deputy commissioners. We get stuff in advance. Uh, we have input on, we had input on the new uh, W-4 that uh, came into effect this year. We've got input on a lot of that. And, and I know people. Uh, the, the new head of OPR there at the IRS used to be on ERSAC with me. So it gives me a lot of insight into the service and a lot of connections. Uh, I needed somebody in appeals. I called my contact. She sent me the table of organization with all the names and phone numbers for all the levels of the appeals, up wow. to including chief appeals. I can get that. Wow. It's not available to everybody. Sure. No, you sound like you're definitely like, if we're having issues with payroll or anything like that, um, you're the guy we need to come to, but hopefully we'll come to you before we have issues so we don't have issues, right? Please. If, <laughs> if, if, 
and that's the thing is the IRS makes millions of errors every year, mistakes, egregious mistakes, and they don't like to correct them because they think they're right. And so that's what we do as compliance for our clients. We keep them honest uh, and straightforward with the IRS. We, we make all the deposits on time. We file all the forms. Uh, we answer questions. Is this, can I do this? No. Can I do this? Yes. Can I do this? Well, let's talk about the circumstances. Okay. We advise our clients on all these things that are payroll related. Uh, and then when the IRS makes a mistake or our client makes a mistake, we attempt to have any penalties or interest abated. Uh, the IRS issues about $6 billion of penalties, employment tax penalties every year. Uh, around half of them get abated by people like me uh, that know what they're doing. And a lot of them are just mistakes that the IRS made. Uh, you know, you've got 100,000 people, you've got computer systems that were new when John Kennedy was president uh, and are still in use. Uh, there's problems, okay? And the people uh, turn over and they move from job to job. And in many cases, they're not as knowledgeable as the people in the profession. Uh, they've moved, they were in collections, now they move to exam and then they move to appeals and then they move to uh, OPR or, or wage investment or whatever. And they're not, they don't live that payroll like I do every day of the week, every week of the year for year after year after year. So in many cases, I have to explain to them what the law and the regs are, and they don't, they may not know. And if you don't know what they are, you can't teach them. So that's why you need a professional. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so outside of today's current environment, um, what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see that small business owners face when it comes to payroll? Compliance. It, you know, to produce a check, it's not difficult. Uh, to do it right with the taxes and then to comply with all the laws, rules, regulations, forms, uh, court rulings, pronouncements, changes, and changes are constant. If you're not on top of it, if you're not dealing with it daily, if you don't get the trades uh, on it, if you don't get the uh, bulletins from the IRS, if you don't get their uh, weekly emails, and I get seven from different areas of the IRS every week. Okay, if you're not on top of that, you can't you can't be in compliance. You don't know enough. It, it's now, you know, most of the business people I deal with, they're smart enough. If that was their job, they do it fine. But they're busy grooming dogs, uh, cutting stone, building buildings, uh, taking care of patients. Uh, lawyers, you know, doctors, dentists, uh, Indian chiefs, whatever. They don't have time to try and keep up with the, with, with the compliance. And compliance is the biggest problem that small business has. That's why, again, there's $6 billion of employment tax penalties. That's just insane. The average is penalty is around $800, and 40% of all small businesses get hit on average every year with a penalty notice from the IRS. It's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. And I know, you know, I've been in the accounting world and I've had with small businesses and I've had to deal with that payroll. And I agree, it's the least little slip up and here comes your nasty gram. 
you literally can be one second late and there's a penalty. It's and, crazy. You know, if you, miss, if you miss a deposit and you miss that, that cutoff, uh, it's penalty. That's all there is to it. Now, there's another thing that most people don't realize is the IRS cannot penalize you for a simple mistake. They can only penalize you for gross negligence. The problem with that is, who do you think is defining gross negligence? Not the businessman, right. the IRS. So unless you know how to argue with the IRS that this is not gross negligence and are willing to file a petition with tax court and argue it in front of the district council and then the judge, you're just gonna have to pay the penalty. So these are the things we can do for our clients that if they had the time, they could do for themselves. They, you know, my clients are smart people, but you know, if you ask me to, to uh, uh, groom a dog, <laughs> I wash down in the shower, okay? And, or you ask me to, 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 to build a house or to, to cut marble, or, I don't know how to do these things. That's why I rely on experts. You know, I don't, I don't represent myself in court. You know, only a fool has a, a, themselves for a client. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I expect them to do their, their business and know what they do and be experts at it. And I'm an expert at tax compliance. I love it. Um, in today's environment, you know, a lot of companies are running their businesses from home and a lot of employees are remote. Are you seeing any issues related to payroll because of this new environment? Well, for our clients, there's some problems in tracking time and, and efforts and so on. Uh, there's some software that helps and so on. A lot of it, are, they're treating as temporary and it's just, you know, they're, they're, they're trusting their employees and short term, that's probably okay. Long term, eh, it may not be the best idea. Uh, for us in payroll, it's not a problem. I mean, we pioneered remote payroll for our clients years ago. And so for our people to work remote is just, it's, it's not a big deal for us in payroll. But for our clients, some of them, you know, and some of them, it, it can't be done remote. I have a, a client that repairs generators for RVs. It's hard to do that remote. <laughs> exactly. Um, so your company has more than 4,600 clients and has processed more than 600,000 payrolls is the number I was given. That's incredible. Yes. Um, what does Get Payroll do differently from its competitors? Uh, again, uh, and I don't mean to keep harping on this, but it's compliance. Uh, our, our competitors do a, a reasonable job of producing ordinary paychecks or direct deposits. Uh, I'm not going to argue that at all. We're not, we're not some super company that, that does something unusual with producing paychecks, but we are unusual in compliance. Uh, if you talk to one of the majors and ask, say, I, I, got a, I got a tax question, I want to talk to a CPA. They'll tell you to talk to your own, on your own dime. Yep. Okay? They don't have them available for clients. Now, they have a corporate office for themselves, but they don't have them for their clients. I'm a CPA, and I will sit down with any client at any time, or a potential client, uh, or frankly, just somebody that has a question, and say, <clears throat> let's see what we can do. So we provide a level of expertise that our competitors don't. And then I don't know of another payroll company that has a U.S. tax court practitioner on staff. 
There may be one, but I'm not. I'm. I don't know of any. Yeah, so I think we provide a. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I wanted just to agree with you. I think that's huge that you have that on staff and that that's kind of an added level of security that you can offer to your clients. Exactly. I love it. Um, how, how has the payroll process evolved over time and what changes do you see with payroll process in the future? Well, obviously, as I said, my father used to do it on, on paper with, with a pen. Okay. And add it up and, you know, do it that way. Uh, computers came along. Uh, then we started getting, you know, we used to get payroll in by phone uh, to process. And then fax machines. Uh, so we're getting it by, via fax, which isn't always perfect. Uh, sometimes they, they're a little distortive. Uh, and then now it's all remote. So uh, we have a, a kernel that goes on their PC. Uh, it normally integrates with their time clock. Uh, so people put in their time. It's all there. The boss looks at it says, okay, sends it off to us. We process it, uh, draft the money, uh, pay the direct deposits and issue the checks. And then we do all the forms and filing. So it's gotten a lot more technically, there's a lot more technical expertise than there used to be. The software is a lot more sophisticated. And that has to be because 75% of the IRS collections are through the payroll systems in the country. 75% of all that revenue comes through the payroll systems. Wow. Either internal or external, yeah. And they're making that more and more. There's more requirements. There's more information. Uh, They force us to handle the child support, garnishments, other taxes, uh, other things that that the Congress uh, is forcing on the the, the small businessman to handle in payroll because that's where the money is. So this has made it more complex, which requires more complex software. Believe me, our software people have just been working day and night and all weekend uh, on the, with the PPP and the FFRCA and so on. It's It's been, you know, it was, oh, here it is and it's in effect today. Uh, Congress had no idea of what the complexity that to fix all the software and to make that thing work properly. And we're having to make it work and we're getting there. Uh, but uh, it, the technology has just gotten better and, it, and it's going to get more complex and uh, the computers are gonna continue to improve. The software is gonna get better and more expensive. Uh, and these are things our clients don't have to worry about. But that's our problem. Uh, we spend tens to, we spend tens of thousands of dollars a year on software. Uh, no small business is going to buy the sophisticated software uh, we do to do payroll. They, they, they can't afford to. We can't afford not to because we have all these clients in all these different industries with whatever you can think of, one of our clients does it. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> So I want to talk so, a little bit about your book that you've, uh, the, the one that you've already written, the payroll book. Who, who's this book for? And, you know, who should read this book? And what inspired you to write it? Every small businessman should, should, should have a copy of it. Um, obviously, I, I, I read all the, the books and the trade journals and the literature. Uh, I get my monthly magazine. I get all the emails from the IRS and I study this stuff on and on and on. 
And I have to go research many times to find answers. There's no real easy place to find it. There's a couple of reasonably good books in the five to $700 range, two of them, uh, when they're current. Uh, that's a little out of reach for most of my clients just to answer a question, just to get, okay, what do I do about this? What do I do about that? Or for a small businessman that's still doing it himself. Uh, how do I do this? Uh, uh, what's blended over time? Uh, is this person really subject to overtime? Uh, what's the child labor law on this? Uh, what, what, what's my state unemployment rate and where do I file it? Is this uh, deduction pre or post tax? Uh, can I reimburse this without charging tax? Or do I, is it income to my employee and I need to put it on as W-2? All these little questions. What should be in my employee handbook? Uh, how do I how do I handle it with with uh, uh, aliens, legal or illegal, that are that are that are out there that want to have a, uh, have a job? Well, I thought you were making simple. a joke at first. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a legal alien. And he has he has a visa. Mm -hmm. Can he work? Well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, it's very complex. So all these things uh, in payroll and payroll related. I wanted to bring them together, put it into a book where small business people could look at it, have it, check it, get answers to questions uh, in an in a easy way uh, without having to try to learn how to research payroll and, and, and buy expensive books and go to courses and go to webinars and seminars and read voluminous IRS emails every week and so on. So I tried to put together everything, and then I work with my staff, and we put together questions and comments and thoughts, and this wasn't a short process. This was several years in the making, uh, working with uh, my, my staff, uh, my clients, uh, about producing something that would be useful to small business. And we think we have something that's useful to small business. Uh, if, if they, if they uh, look at it and they, can't find what they want, they're free to call me as well. And hopefully someone will look at it and say, God, I don't want to do this. Charles, <laughs> can you handle my payroll? Of course. <laughs> that's the ultimate goal, huh? So what's this new book that's coming out in next month? Uh, it'll be on Amazon the 12th of August. Okay. What's it about? The payroll book. That's this one. Oh, that's that uh, one. That's this one. That's the new okay. one. Okay. I, you know what? Is, I think uh, I was thinking of the other one that you were talking to me about before. So that's the one that's coming yeah, out in August. This is the one that's coming out in, in August. Uh, we should have the first shipment of, of books into us in about two weeks. And then on the 11th or 12th of August, it'll be live on Amazon. It's currently available for pre-order, uh, both on Amazon and at thepayrollbook.com. Uh, that website was available. So we picked it up to go with the book. I mean, you know, we looked at the, the names and had all kinds of things, and we started checking around. We found the website, the payroll book was available. So it just makes sense. This is the payroll book. We, uh, we, uh, we wrote the book on payroll. <laughs> I like that. That's cute. Well, believe it or not, Charles, we are just about out of time, and so I do want to make sure that we get to our VIP questions so we can learn a little <laughs> bit more about you. Are you ready? Sure. 
All right. And these are just fun little questions. Don't overthink them. Just the first thing that comes to mind. So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? It's kind of reminiscent of the H.G. Uh, Wells, the, uh, the time machine. When the guy went back to the future with the time machine and disappeared forever, and he took three books out of his library. If I were going to Mars, first thing I do is I make sure I have a, a trauma doctor because there's going to be accidents. And I want to get patched up. The, the second person, I'd want a mechanical genius, a real MacGyver type that can take whatever and create whatever's needed. You remember the old MacGyver show? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be the second one. And the third one, I'd want a, a, a database of every book ever written, uh, both technical and fiction. So for education and for pleasure. Now, see, I love how you just took like 20 million items by calling it a database. <laughs> Sneaky, I see what you did there. Well, you know, he, he, could, he could take, <coughs> excuse me, he could take three books and uh, his time machine with him. Uh, I can take a nice little hard drive, you know, a couple of hundred ter terabytes and have all that data. So it's not a bad <laughs> idea. It's technology. <laughs> I love it. Um, what is one thing you do each day to, in the morning to start your day and set it up for success? I do to-do lists. I do short-term, medium-term, and long-term to-do lists. I learned a long time ago, and it's been repeated to me, and I've, I've read it in numerous places. The things that get written down, get done. Get done. <laughs> if you don't write them down, you don't do them. I hesitate... I hesitate to write exercise down on my to-do list in the morning because I know if I write it down, I have to do it. Well, my, my trainer comes and once she's had to, she used to rent a room from me years ago. She still has a key. So she'll come up and knock on the bedroom door if I'm not up. That's one so, way to make sure it and hold you accountable, huh? She holds me accountable. I exercise three times a week. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. So my final question is if your life's work was being summarized in a headline, what would the, what, summarized in a headline, summarized in a news article, it's like I've never done this before. What would the headline be? He did it his way. Oh, I like that. I live my own life. So Good for you. I do it the way I want to do it. I, that's why I started business for myself. Uh, I gave up in corporate world 30 some odd years ago. Good for you. Good for you. Well, Charles, thank you so much for your time today. How do people get in touch with you? Uh, they can reach me uh, on the web, it's obviously uh, www.getpayroll.com. Uh, the book is at www.thepayrollbook.com. And they can reach me by phone at 972-353-0000. Oh, wow. How'd you get that? It's the only good thing GTE ever did for me. <laughs> All right, Charles. Well, I just have one last thing to say to you besides thank you so much for being a guest today. This was very informative, but you are a VIP. Thank you, Casey. It's been my pleasure. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.